Today's reading is from Colossians 3:12-17. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you, and over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you are called to peace, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, and as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. This is the word of the Lord. And we're having a one-off sermon this morning, uh, as you've heard, looking at uh, a bit of Colossians 3. Let's um, ask for God's help before we do that. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this part of your word. Please would you uh, help us to see Christ more clearly. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. When I was at high school, uh, I was in year 11, and I was playing a cricket game against uh, King's College up in Auckland. And I was batting, and running into bowl was current black cap Tim Southey. Now, he was an absolute man-child. Uh, he was well on the way to being as, as tall as he is now, and he was also well on the way to being as, as good as he is. But still, I, I had high hopes about how, how things would go. If you do well against Tim Southey, you know, the sky is the limit. You could be the next big thing. Uh, and so anyway, he's, he's running into bowl, and he bowls me a bouncer. And I swung hard. Uh, too hard. Uh, <laughs> And I'm 90% 90, I'm 90 sure that my, my eyes were closed uh, for self-preservation. But uh, somehow I made contact and the ball kind of raced away for four runs. Don't, don't ball short to me, Tim Sally. I didn't say that. I was too terrified. Now, at this point, I suddenly felt like I'd poked the bear. Uh, he gave me a bit of a, a glare like all good fast bowlers would. Uh, he was probably a bit annoyed because getting hit for four wasn't something that was normal for him back then. So next ball, he's, he's running into bowl, uh, but he seemed a little bit more determined. Uh, and once again, it's a bouncer. Only this time, it's, it's far too quick for me. I managed to hit it, but it sort of tamely lobbed, uh, and I was caught, and I was out. And Southie kind of ran past me. He didn't say anything. He just had this wry smile on his face. So in the space of two balls, all of my expectations of that day were dashed in an instant. As we go through life, there are plenty of situations where our expectations aren't met. You go to get your favourite meal, but it's sold out. You go away on holiday, but it rains the whole time. You're about to head off in your big overseas experience, and then all of a sudden, international travel comes to a halt. Sometimes we have unmet expectations at church as well. We expect to be treated a certain way. We expect that other people will show an interest in our lives, that they'll be warm towards us, understanding. Overall, we expect that we'll be treated with love, uh, which I think is a fair expectation. And it can be particularly disheartening for us 
when we aren't treated in a loving way, when someone speaks to us harshly, when someone says something thoughtless to us, someone makes a judgment about us without knowing our situation and our struggles, we feel ignored or we feel betrayed. When things like this happen, it can leave a bitter taste. It can make us feel like pulling back from others. We become weary. We can feel like we're walking on eggshells. Our involvement in the life of the church can become minimal. We decide it's not worth the hassle, and so we just avoid certain people or certain situations, and we end up giving up on one another fairly easily. Our expectations haven't been met, and so we guard ourselves to make sure that it doesn't happen again. Well, as you've heard, we're in Colossians 3 this morning, uh, and it's a remarkable letter. Paul is writing from prison, and he's writing to a church of people who he's probably never met before. But he's heard about these people. He's heard about how they've come to faith in Jesus. He's heard about the false teaching that they've had to contend with. He knows about potential divisions that could exist among them. Divisions between racial groups. Divisions between people of differing social status. Divisions that could become, uh, that could come about due to unmet expectations of others. Divisions that if left unchecked could take away from the unity that this church has in Christ. And so he addresses these things. Uh, And his message to the church is simple. Love your church by looking to Christ. Despite past hurts, despite unmet expectations, don't give up on one another. Love your Christian brothers and sisters by looking to Christ's example. And no matter what your experience uh, of church has been to this point, the message for us is the same. Love your church by looking to Christ. Uh, Let me give you a bit of context of chapter 3, very briefly. Verses 1 to 4 begin with Paul writing about the Colossians' unity with Christ. They've died to sin with Christ, they've been raised with him, and they will appear with him in glory on the day when he returns. Uh, Verses 5 to 11 are all uh, about what not to do as Christians. And then verses 12 to 17 are all about how we love one another as the body of Christ. And so we'll we'll get to verses 12 to 17 in a minute, but first it's worth pointing out how pastoral this letter is. There are a lot of instructions from Paul. He says, do this, do this, do this. But when he writes, he's always very careful. He reminds people of who they are in Christ. Then he gives them instructions on how they're to respond to Christ. And it's quite a helpful uh, method even for us uh, as we minister to each other. Remind people of who they are in Christ and then instruct them. And we see that straight away in verse 12. Paul says, this is who you are. And he reminds the Colossians that they are God's chosen people. They are holy. They've been set apart by God for his purposes. They are dearly loved by God. We're often very good at recognising how fortunate others are in life. Uh, But as Christians, we are incredibly privileged chosen, made holy, loved by God. He knows every detail of our lives. He knows about all the times we've failed to put to death sinful behaviours. We might be able to hide parts of ourselves from others, 
but not from God. He knows us, and yet he chose us, and he loves us. And I hope you know that privilege uh, deep in your hearts. And it's in light of this privilege that we have that Paul calls the Colossians to clothe themselves like Christ. You are God's child, now live like it. The clothes we wear can often give uh, people insight as to what we do. People who wear scrubs uh, usually work at a hospital. People who wear stubbies in the middle of winter are probably tradies of some sort. They don't tend to feel the, the cold like the rest of us. The clothes we put on indicate something about us. And as Christians, we are to clothe ourselves with these behaviours. That's how others see who we are. And he gives us five things uh, that the Colossians are to clothe themselves with. Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Firstly, notice that all of these characteristics are kind of outward-focused. They involve putting the needs of others before ourselves. Secondly, notice that these characteristics are all used to describe what the Lord Jesus himself is like. Look at the list again. Compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience. Are these characteristics that your church family would use to describe you? This is how God calls us to live. These are the characteristics that are to mark our interactions with one another. How do we measure up against this list? Well, if that's not difficult enough, Paul calls on the Colossians to do something equally challenging. Verse 13, Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. I take it Paul knows that there are times when clothing yourselves with any of these uh, things might be particularly difficult. Obviously, sin impacts the way we relate to one another. And we're all different. We think differently. We communicate differently. We value different things. We do things differently. And among all these differences, we are to bear with one another. Now, at times, this is more difficult than it should be. Many of us like familiarity, people who are like us. Remember, Paul was writing to people who had the same struggle. Uh, verse 11 tells us some of the Colossians' differences. But what they have in common is far more significant than any difference. They are united with Christ. And so they are to bear with one another. And Paul goes even further in verse 13. See, at times, loving your church family will include forgiveness. We are to forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, Paul says, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And this can be particularly challenging, can't it? Especially when we've been hurt. But it tends to be more difficult when we've failed to remember how God has forgiven us. And that's Paul's desire for us that Christians would be those who forgive others because they've experienced the Lord's forgiveness. See, our forgiveness in Christ isn't something we deserve. If we examine our lives honestly, forgiveness is probably the last thing we deserve. Our forgiveness isn't something that we've earned. It's a reflection 
of God pursuing us. He's ready to forgive. He's willing to forgive. Uh, And our forgiveness was costly. It cost the Lord Jesus his life. And yet he was willing to die for our sake. And so as we interact with our brothers and sisters, we are to seek to forgive those who we have a grievance or complaint against, even if it's costly. Now I take it we're we're still to be loving. We still want to be loving. Uh, And we see elsewhere in Scripture that part of being loving is by humbly correcting our brothers or sisters when they sin against us. That's something we're going to think about more in verse 16. But here Paul seems more concerned with the things that could be made into more than what they actually are. And I take it we need wisdom to know the difference. Now this section uh, certainly forces us to think about whether we're wrongly withholding forgiveness from others. Maybe we're holding on to a, a grudge and our hearts aren't actually willing to forgive someone. Well, if we're in that position, uh, then we probably need to be reminded about how much we've been forgiven. So if we're not grateful for the forgiveness uh, that Christ has offered us, then we're unlikely to be very forgiving to others. We're unlikely to bear with one another. In response to God's forgiveness, are there people that you need to forgive? Well, all these things so far are going to help the Colossians to be more united. But there's one thing that needs to be held above all else, uh, and that is love in verse 14, the virtue that binds all these things together. See, love is the characteristic that most encapsulates what Christ is like. It's sacrificial. The one who is innocent, taking on the sin of all those who are guilty. Love is the thing that's going to bind the church at Colossae together. It's what's going to bind each individual member of the body together. And love is the thing that will bind us together here at St. Stephen's. Love like Christ. Now there are things that make it difficult for us to love others. So-and-so is annoying. Uh, So-and-so is not loving towards me. So why should I love them? One of the telling things in this passage on unity is that Paul doesn't spend much time talking about how others are treating you. That's not his main concern. Uh, And it shouldn't be what governs how we kind of love one another. Our love for others is in response to how Christ has loved us. And Christ loved us by doing what was best for us. Not what was easiest for him. And there's a big difference. Loving your church family isn't about putting your own needs first. It's about doing what's best for others. Uh, And I think we all need to hear that. Let us love like our Lord. It's a huge responsibility for us. Uh, And it's it's pretty hard in a church this size. You're not going to know everyone, which is fine. But people do notice the way that you conduct yourselves, the way you treat others. What would they say of you? Would they recognize the love of Christ in you? Would they see someone who sacrificially loves their church family? Someone who intentionally makes time for others? Or would they see someone who's indifferent towards others? Someone who's perhaps reluctant to change. Someone who isn't willing to love sacrificially because they haven't really grasped the love that, has, that Christ has for them. Love as you have been loved by the Lord. 
Now, if you're feeling the weight of this, uh, take comfort because you're not alone. These are challenging words. But we're not asked to do this in our own strength. Uh, And as we go on in verses 15 to 17, Paul continues to turn our eyes towards Christ to help us. And he tells us about three things Christ has given us that help us to love one another. Verse 15, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you are called to peace. Now the peace of Christ, it seems to be referring to the peace that he has now given us with God. Through the cross we're at peace with God. I won't say much more on that, other than that as members of the body of Christ we are called to peace. We shouldn't have hatred or contempt for one another. We're at peace with God, and so we should be seeking peace with one another. Uh, In verse 16, we're also given the word of Christ. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs of the Spirit. Let it dwell among you richly. The importance of the place of the word in the life of the church can't be overstated. Uh, we've, we've sung a few songs already, uh, and we see here that through song, we let the word of God dwell among us. We've been singing songs to each other, many of which are rich in biblical truths. As we sing together, we teach each other these truths. Sometimes we even admonish or correct one another through song. Some of these lyrics convict us and call on us to change our behaviours. Uh, may we continue to value the place of the word of God in our church life. Uh, It's interesting that admonishing or or correcting one another doesn't actually stop us from being at peace with one another. And the Word of God is to play a central role in that. There are times in life where we need gentle correction if if we're heading in the wrong direction. And it takes wisdom to do that, as Paul also mentions in that verse. Compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience takes a genuine love for one another. All of these things help us to correct one another in a godly way. And they also help us respond rightly when someone does actually correct us. So we've had the peace of Christ and the word of Christ, and now Paul's, uh, Paul turns to the name of Christ in verse 17. And he says, Whatever you do, whether in word or in deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Uh, it's a fitting verse to finish with. All that we do as we seek to love our brothers and sisters needs to be done in the name of Christ. He's the only one who can bring us true unity. All the things we say, all our plans, all our actions, they're to be done in Christ's name. That's how we love one another. Now there's one final thing that Paul encourages, uh, and he says it three times in the last three verses, and that is the call for the Colossians to be thankful. Verse 15, and be thankful. Verse 16, with gratitude in your hearts. Verse 17, giving thanks to God the Father through Christ. Thankfulness is so important in the Christian life. Uh, We've heard this morning that we have many things to be thankful for in Christ. Being thankful plays a big part in allowing us to love one another. It can be a great starting point if if we're struggling to love others. What's something you can be thankful for about a person you're struggling to love? So there we are. May we all love our church family better by continuing to look to Christ. Now let's pray.
Uh, Heavenly Father, our church family is truly a wonderful uh, blessing that you give us. We know that at times it can be difficult uh, when it comes to loving one another. Father, help us not to be indifferent, uh, not to give up on one another. Please would you help us uh, to look to Christ and to see how he has loved us. Help us to really grasp that love. Please grow our love for one another. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.